Hey, 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 you are listening to the Zen Courses Show, episode number four. Would you rather? Welcome to the Zen Courses Show, the show for online course creators who care about building actionable, meaningful, and profitable online courses. If you're a solo entrepreneur, tech geek, or creative, the Zen Courses Show is the place to get expert advice for creating your online course, overcoming overwhelm, and growing a balanced business. To get the full experience, sign up at zencourses.co, where you'll get access to free lessons, resources, and more. Again, that's zencourses.co. Hey, everyone. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know in this episode, I have the honor of chatting with Ankur Nagpal, who is the founder of the platform Fedora. Fedora recently changed their name, so they are now called Teachable. So if you know them as Fedora or if you visited their website at usefedora.com, now you can just go to teachable.com and find out all about them. Okay, let's get into it. What's up, everyone? Today, I'm excited to interview Encore, co-founder of Fedora, as a guest on the Zen Courses show. Encore, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. So I like to kick things off a little bit differently. So right. I I've hope not, you're I've, up for some fun. Prepared, so <laughs> I have in front of me a stack of would you rather questions. Okay. And I would like to ask right. you one of those just so we can learn a little bit more about the man behind the name. Do okay, this. let's do this. Let me let me shuffle them and let's do this. All right. Would you rather? Okay. <laughs> Is that not interview appropriate? <laughs> you know, you have to filter these. You have to filter yeah, them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Well, you know, let's just go for it. Would you rather be able to speak one foreign language fluently? but yep. not be able to read it or read six foreign languages fluently, but not be able to speak them. Oh, the former. It's easy. <laughs> like, no, I want another one. I want something challenging. Yeah, that's that cute. one, that one wasn't, that's you know, these, easy. yeah. Okay. Let's see. Let's not see. A, oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. Okay. Would you rather have brown teeth or a hairline just one half inch above your eyebrows? Oh, that's, that's, now we're getting messed <laughs> Brown, like, like, are we talking off-white kind of brown <laughs> or, like, the color of my skin brown? So it depends on the shade is what Yeah, it depends saying. on the shade. Because if it's, like, off-white brown, I'd take that. But if it's the color of my skin brown, then probably the hairline. I think we're going for, like, a darker brown here. Yeah. Um, I think I'll do the hairline thing. Okay. Okay. So now we know. Now we know. <laughs> cool. Right. So let's get let's get down to business. We've had a little bit of fun. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Encore. Um, I live in New York now, but I'm not originally from America. I um, grew up in a small country called Oman in the Middle East. Um, moved to America when I was 17, which was great because I moved here just for college. And unlike unlike you know people going to college here where they like tour different universities, they see the vibe. I just got on a plane and went to the university I picked. I'd never even seen. I'd been to America once before, to New York and Orlando, and I went to school in California. So the first nice. time I entered California was to attend my the first day of orientation. Um, so okay. originally from yeah, originally from Oman, went to school at went to school at Cal in California, 
um, came here like any came to America like any good Indian child, being like, <laughs> I want to be an engineer. Uh, tried that whole thing for my an internship my freshman summer. Realized I'm actually a terrible engineer. Yeah. Um, but that coincided with the launch of the Facebook platform. So this was 2007. Um, and I started building the worst Facebook apps you will ever see, like <laughs> um, the personality quizzes, the friend quizzes, the viral applications. But what that taught me is that taught me how to grow things and how to grow businesses on the internet. Um, so after running that for four years, and you know, I joke about it, but there was, we did a lot of cool things even while we, you know, built those Facebook apps. But after that, I reached a point in my life where I knew I wanted to build a business that did more than just make money. Like it almost had, you know, had a purpose beyond that. Um, and that's kind of, you know, when I stumbled into Fedora. Yeah. Um, and I say stumbled because I never intended to start Fedora as it is. I was a teacher teaching on Udemy and just got so, so, so frustrated. But you mentioned the Facebook quizzes and you also mentioned something else I wanted to ask you about. So yep. I think the exact phrase you used in another interview is you realized you were a shitty engineer. Yep. So what compelled you to try something else rather than continue down that path of being a shitty engineer and maybe one day being a good engineer? I was not, it didn't excite me. Like it was not something like after I was like intern at Amazon my freshman summer, the people I worked with, I saw what it was like to be a good engineer and the life you'd have. And that was not a life I wanted for myself. Like I saw the best case scenario of being a great engineer. And that's just not, you know, I didn't, I was not as excited by the same things, I just realized like that's not who I ultimately am. Right, like, not that person. Um, I can pretend to be, but thankfully, I was what I was eighteen at the time. I didn't exactly have you know major financial pressure or any pressure to like earn a living or whatever. So I was just like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay, um, I still graduated with a computer science degree, except now no one, but like no one in this company will trust me with any of our like. <laughs> Got you. So then you went on. So you're a co-founder of Fedora along with Conrad Wadowski. Yep. I, yep. I, um, I founded Fedora initially with Conrad was the first customer. The, the way it first started okay. was I built Fedora. Conrad was the first customer. Um, a few months later, um, I want to say seven or eight months later, I asked, I told Conrad, I was like, look, you're a customer. Like, you know, forget, forget selling courses. Why don't you come on board as a co-founder? Yep. Um, so he retroactively came on board as a co-founder. What year did Fedora launch? So the first version launched in October 2013. Okay. Super, super ugly. Um, I, I consider May 2014 to be when we became a company. That's when I filled out one of those Delaware state forums, <laughs> incorporated, <laughs> got a bank account. You got official. Well, we had to. Our investor was ready to wire us money, and I could not tell him that, like, this entity he was going to wire money to did not exist. <laughs> so that day I incorporated, somehow went to Bank of America, got a bank account, replied to the email four hours later, be like, here you go. Here's our wire information. Okay, got you. So you had you mentioned this is what you were going into before, but you had some key problems with a course that you were selling on Udemy that inspired you to launch Fedora. Can you talk a bit about that? What were those problems and how does Fedora solve yep. those problems? The biggest one, and this is almost like hurts me more than others, is you're building your business behind someone else's walled garden. I did this on Facebook for so many years that it's an issue I care deeply about. Um, I just don't want to do that. Um, And the fact that you could work really hard to build an audience, but then not even get an email address for the audience you've built seems kind of stupid to me. Um, So that that was one of the big motivations, not having control over pricing, 
was another pretty strong motivation. The idea that you'd spend so long building an audience to your course that would get cross-promoted to your competitors' courses also didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. And fourth, I thought there's a lot of cool things that could be built for online courses that, you know, Udemy was just not going to because they were a marketplace. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so how is, that begs the question, how is Fedora different from other online course platforms out there? Because there's tons popping up almost every year. Um, so with the utmost respect to, you know, everyone else in the space, um, we're better than them. I'm just kidding. Um, so th- there's a few things we do differently, right? One, the first one is we're very, we're laser focused on helping people make money. What that means is we have an insane commitment to giving a lot of features that are solely focused around making instructors money. So I'll give you an example of what I mean. Um, you know, we allow people to charge in a hundred different currencies. We allow people to sell courses one off or in a bundle. We allow people to appoint affiliates in their school and have a fully managed affiliate program. You can bring in another author to your school, set that set a percentage of sales to go to them, and all of that all of that infrastructure just works automatically. Yeah. And you know, everything is kind of focused around empowering teachers to make money. So that's one big thing that distinguishes us from other platforms. Um, the other thing I would say is we still approach a lot of what we're doing as as a legitimate software business. Like we're now, you know, 16 people in New York. So what that means is our, everything on Fedora is entirely programmable and editable. So no other tool is as committed to making sure everything, and I mean everything, can be configured. Yeah. Um, and that's why, in addition to all the independent instructors we work with, we also work with, you know, like large, large companies and, you know, media brands like the Next Web and stuff that want to be able to change a lot of stuff around. Um, sure. And I think the third thing that's ultimately going to distinguish us in the long term is just the fact that we are, we're a bigger team, we're funded, and we're kind of getting to a point where we can innovate on our product a lot faster than anyone else, because a lot of but this course space is still so nascent that whatever is happening right now, not that it doesn't matter, but it's almost like, you know, what's it going to look like in a year from now, two years from now? And I think we are in a position where um, we just have a lot of those things going for us that it's helping us kind of make our product better at a faster rate. Yeah, definitely. So I think one of the key things that you mentioned is you are a software company. Now, I attended a webinar that you and Ryan did a couple of days yep. ago, and you said that on the webinar. And I think that's important because there are... You've done are... too much research. This is concerned. <laughs> I've, I've, we just did the, the exact same webinar two hours ago. Yeah, I know. You're, you're doing a run of webinars. It was really helpful. So I think everyone should check it out. Just a little plug for you. But... One of the key things about being a software company is there are a couple platforms out there that are pretty much just being bootstrapped. And so you guys have built in, you have support systems and teams in place. And I think that that's really important. So I just wanted to highlight that. Okay. We're also investing a lot in training. As you can tell by webinars, right? We've done three webinars this No, we've done four webinars and a live Q&A call this week. We've had five live events. We've had two blog posts. Like, we're doing a lot. We're simultaneously putting together other training programs. We invest a lot in trying to give valuable content to people. Because ultimately, like, if people, if teachers aren't successful, they're going to stop using us. Like, the biggest reason, like, we, you know, like, most companies, the biggest thing we're trying to address is every month about 9%, where we churn about 8 to 9% of customers, which is way too high, way, way too high. It should be well under 5%. Um, and the biggest reason they leave is they are not able to be successful. So it's not even like they're leaving us for competitors. They're leaving us because they could not succeed selling courses. 
So what that means is we have to invest as much as possible in training people to succeed at selling courses. Yep. I completely agree. Perfect. So speaking of successful people teaching courses, some of the case studies that you highlight Mm -hmm. are just super successful people who are making tens of thousands of dollars a month. That might intimidate some people. So is Fedora just for those million dollar instructors or can anybody use it? It's funny you bring that up because that's that's one of that's probably the biggest objection we hear right now, um, which we didn't even think about while we were branding, you know, a million dollar instructor and so forth. Um, But no, I think I think I think Fedora is Fedora. It's almost like it doesn't matter how much you want to make. We have people making, you know, anywhere from a few hundred dollars a month that makes a very meaningful difference in their lives to many thousands of dollars. But it's almost how serious you are about teaching. Because if you're not super serious, you just want to spend a few hours occasionally, like use Udemy, use a marketplace. Like we're not the tool for you. Fedora will take more work because yeah. you're building something of lasting value. And when you're building value, it does take time. Um, so I'd almost define it not by the amount of money, but if you're if you're not, if you're almost like just want to dip your toes and you're not super serious and don't necessarily know you want to do courses the right way, do it on Udemy. Do it on you know a marketplace that does the marketing for you. Because as much as I think we're the best tool in many ways, we do not market courses for you. And that's okay. something that, you know, is that's almost like a line that we're not going to cross anytime soon. Um, and if you're just dipping your toes, um, maybe a marketplace is better. Um, but overall, I mean, outside of that, I think we're a tool for everyone. The, you know, the, the teachers that occasionally make sales to the ones that, you know, make their living teaching online. Yeah. And we've jumped a step and it's completely my fault, but let's start with how would you define Fedora? What is Fedora and who is it for specifically? Yep. So but taking one step back philosophy wise, right? Like we're a startup. We get compared a lot to other people in the online education space. People add like when we're raising money, they're like, how are you different from Udemy? How are you different from Skillshare? How are you different from all these places? The biggest thing that defines us as a company is we're a product for the teacher. Our user is a teacher. Um, student, obviously, you know, we want to provide a good student experience, but if it's ever like a, do we focus on the teacher or the student? It's always the teacher. We're laser focused on being the tool for teachers. Um, that's point one. The second thing that's important, like philosophy culture wise is I believe the most motivated people in the world, the people that make the biggest difference are entrepreneurs. And we define our audience is, you know, maybe other people have used it, but we think of our audience as anyone that would self-identify as a teacher entrepreneur. And I think with time, more and more of education, like more dollars are going to move towards these teacher entrepreneurs versus like institutions that have a brand name. So ultimately, Fedora is about, you know, that what that brings us to point one and two is Fedora is about empowering teacher entrepreneurs. We think, we think that's the most motivated set of people to invest in and people that we're proud to call our customers. Gotcha. Okay. Well said. Well said. So one of the key things that you talked about in that webinar that I mentioned was marketing. Just, just to be clear, are, you, are we talking about the webinar yesterday? Or the webinar <laughs> We're today? talking about the webinar on Monday, which okay, was kind of a, a quick start, the demo one. Exactly, the demo with Ryan. And and one of the key things was you talked about was some of the, way, the ways you can market a course. Yep. So a lot of entrepreneurs, they create a course and they might not have the best ideas for how to effectively market your course. How does Fedora help them solve that problem? So again, training, we want to empower people. We want to teach them how to market their course. Um, A lot of it also is now starting is, you know, is in common with just marketing anything on the internet, right? Like basic lessons, like, look, everyone, 
one, you need to start building an email list or a following of people that care about you. Like, if you don't do that, you're ultimately undercutting yourself. Yeah. And, how do, and how do people do that? Simple. You give away value in exchange for an email address. Anyone that's ever built an email list follows this simple principle. And I think with Fedora, we make it really easy to tell people that, you know, within Fedora, you can create a free course to give it away for an email address, which is a world of difference from doing a free course promotion on Udemy when you get a ticker go up by one. Like that, There's no value to like getting a free student on Udemy, nothing. Here you get their email address, their members of your list, their members of your tribe, treat them well, and they will, you know, be fans that will buy from you forever. So a lot of, a lot of what we do is, yeah, training people about this, telling them how to do this themselves. Um, we also give tools to help people sell, like an affiliate program, for instance, which is, a, you know, we integrate with email marketing tools. Um, we, we, we're not a marketplace, but there are now, like, you know, a few marketplaces run on Fedora. Like the Next Web runs the Next Web Academy. You can submit your course over there. Stack Social runs Stack Skills. You can submit your course over there. So we're empowering, like, there's people building marketplaces on us. So that's, you know, almost the last option. But ultimately, we want to teach people how to sell, which, as you know, is, is challenging. But that's where that's where you know the real benefit is. Yeah, definitely. So for some, which is something you touched on, for someone who's starting and they don't really have an audience, what are three ways they could promote their online course to kind of build their exposure and their audience at the same time? So if you want to do it the right way, like don't do like you got to give away free value for an email address and build a loyal following over time. But if we're looking for a kind of quick win, something they can do like right now, um, one would be find affiliates. Um, if you can find a strong, if you can, and by find affiliates, I don't mean go to like the shady affiliate networks looking for, you know, the, the dudes that like spam Twitter. That's not what we want. We want like the one or two people in our space that like us, they like what we're doing. And we want to give them, you know, a commission to make that happen. Um, so the affiliate network is one of the easiest, easiest ways. Um, the second thing that I think you can do is start investing and creating, you know, free content. Um, and for different people, it's different things. For some people, it's as simple as, you know, Twitter. For other people, it's like YouTube videos. For other people, it's Instagram. Some people create decks. Like, it's almost like you, everyone has that one medium they're better at than other yeah. people. My, for you, for you, it's your podcast, right? Um, yeah. You find you find your way of giving value and having kind of some kind of structure in place to get people back to your course. Um, what was it? Three things. Third thing. Um, interesting. Let me. See. So, I think the third thing I would suggest is, um, and this is almost something you can do after you have an audience. But like, as as you can tell by my activities this week, we found webinars to be almost like in terms of selling products, webinars are almost like playing in God mode. Like <laughs> it just works. Like, yeah. you know, when we've sold courses and webinars, we've seen people convert as much as one third of all viewers will buy the product. That's reasonably priced, um, which I think that's a great third strategy. It's like, it's literally like, it's absurd how effectively they work. Yeah, I agree. I mean, in a sense, it makes sense because they've already engaged psychologically. They've already kind of opted into what you're doing. So definitely. Okay, cool. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about some of the analytic features that you guys offer with Fedora. Um, Let's first of all, position this. Why are analytics important to an online course instructor? You mean outside of the fact that it looks super cool? (laughs) so I think, one, as an instructor, we want to know how we're doing and how we can make our, our content better. Um, so I think that's incredibly important. So we give analytics. We 
expose everything. So on a per video basis, for instance, you can drill down and see an engagement graph of what people are watching, what they're rewatching, what they're skipping. You can do this in aggregate, or you can drill down to an individual student for each video, see what they're doing. And it depends on your mentorship approach, right? If you're selling a $50 course, maybe you don't care. If you're selling a $2,000 training program where you're guaranteeing results and your student says, hey, I'm not getting results, you want to be able to pull in the data and be like, wait, this person hasn't watched anything. Of course, they're not getting results. Um, we have analytics on the course-wide level showing engagement by each lecture. So at what point are people dropping off? Because in general, every graph goes like, boom. Yeah. But sometimes there's random spikes that are really informative um, and shows you what parts of the course people find interesting. Uh, one of the first things you'll look like, you probably know this, but people that are new to courses will realize two things. One, people are really bad about watching courses in general, which is shocking when you first realize it. Second, people don't always watch courses linearly. Like people like to skip around. And a lot of times people will only watch half a course but still be very happy with their purchase. Um, we also give people the ability to drill down on a per-student basis and see exactly what activity a student is doing. Um, and we're always trying to kind of add more insight to to reporting and analytics and even like just small things that, you know, like we allow you to, for any student, you can filter by very specific criteria. You can find a student that's enrolled in this course, but not that course that's made over $5, but has not logged in in four days. You can pull that data in like two seconds on Fedora and even email them right from there if you wanted to. Gotcha. They're all things that we found useful when we were, you know, when we were selling our own courses um, and that just organically become a part of the product. Okay, so let's flip it. As a student, what data can I see to know how I'm progressing in Fedora? As on a student, the biggest indicator you have is the progress percentage. Um, some instructors offer certificates, some instructors offer mentorship, but within the platform itself, there's nothing outside of progress percentage and like completion, like, hey, you completed the course. Yeah. So I'm going to depart from my next question because you talked about the churn rate being yep. 9% because instructors weren't being successful. Yep. So what defines a successful instructor? Was it not making money? Was it not having so sign-ups? That's, that's something we're all, almost wrestling with internally. Our most important metric that we track internally is how many teachers have had a sale in the last month. Um, and it's still a pretty good proxy. It's probably one of the best metrics we have. Um, the only downside with that is some teachers are very launch-driven. They'll have two launches in a year. And they're so happy with their, you know, what they're doing. But in our metric, it would show them as dropping off. Okay. So maybe we need to adjust that from a month to like a longer time period. But it's very hard when you've been around for a year and a half to start thinking in one-year timelines. Yeah, definitely. So the reason I asked that question is just to follow up. You, you had a comment when you were talking about the Facebook quizzes. Yeah. And you said you stopped doing that because you didn't feel like you were making an impact. Yeah. So I believe that online courses should, first and foremost, impact the people who take them. So that is to say... That- oh, you, yeah. That, if, you had, if you had come on our the, the other webinar, one of the things I spend so much time repeating, 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 um, like, you know, what is an online course? The way we think about an online course right now and our advice to other teachers is... Your online course ultimately distills down to the transformation you bring for the student. And ultimately, an online course is about a transformation, and that's what distinguishes a course from a book, what distinguishes a course from all other content types. Ultimately, a course is a shortcut to an outcome, and if you're trying to think of what your course idea should be, we recommend thinking of the outcome first. Like, what is the outcome I want to take my student to? And then work backwards to define your outline, your content, all of that. Okay. 
So well, you, a lot of that in our teacher training when we're talking to teachers. That was my next question. So I was going to say, do you guys train teachers yep. on how to do that whole process? Okay, that's cool. It's not not a lot of people know that. I didn't know that offhand until I started looking further. So that's yep. great. Great to hear. Yep. Okay. So let's take a couple the other, of the other the other on that note. The other pet peeve I have is the number of teachers that have to like untrain that are deciding how to price their course and start pricing their course based on like hours of video and stuff. And I'm like, again, like I want people to price based on outcome, not that you know, not that if you get someone a ten thousand dollar raise, you just charge five thousand dollars. But like, so many teachers are afraid of like charging their worth, yeah. despite the fact that they're bringing someone to a phenomenal outcome. Ultimately, what people are paying for is a shortcut to an outcome, not 20 minutes of video. Like, you know, I want to break, I want to break away the, like, your course is worth the amount of minutes of video paradigm that a lot of people have, which personally yeah. annoys me, um, just because it's an outcome. It's always about the outcome, and you should price based on outcome and not minutes of content. And that's bigger than courses, right? That gets into just people's self-worth of pricing your, yep. your service by That's value. a huge part of what we do. Like, a lot of our training is almost, like, teaching people that they can do it. Like, yeah. that it's not unapproachable. I'm sure, you know, you do consulting and courses. I'm sure you deal with a lot of people that you have to get them past their imposter syndrome where it's like, I am not, like, I don't feel like I'm enough of an expert to teach this. Um, like that's something else we spend a lot of time telling people. You know, I don't believe that imposter syndrome is the real issue. I've been thinking about this a lot yeah. lately. What do you What do you think is the issue? Well, I think that the issue is not that people don't think they're experts. I think people know that they have expertise. It's that we don't often sometimes believe that we have value that someone should contribute or pay us yeah. for what we know. Yeah. You know, so I, th- I think there's a slight difference there. Yeah. And, and people are always surprised when I talk about how, when the Bitfountain guys, the original million dollar instructors who taught iPhone programming, when they find out when they find out that those guys had no computer science degree, they were not paid programmers. There were people that struggled for years before self teaching themselves programming and then becoming maybe amongst the only people in the world to teach 100,000 people how to code. Yeah. And that made them better teachers, the fact that they struggled and they were relatable to their audience. Their audience does not want to learn from someone that, you know, internalized this knowledge when they're seven years old. They want to learn from someone like them that struggled, <laughs> that failed, that sucked at it for so long, right. finally learning. So I have to ask this. What, what do you think would be a key shift that people could use, some type of takeaway that they could use to kind of start shifting that mindset if they're having trouble pricing for value? Um, I think, I think one understanding that, you know, what people like, what makes a great teacher is not necessarily the most credentialed person. It's the outcome. And if you can take someone to the outcome and very often the fact that if you're like them, if your struggles, if your story, if your path is like theirs, that will make you a more valuable teacher to them. Like all of us have had unique experiences. And I think that to different people that makes each of us more valuable teachers than, you know, the traditional experts. So when you can internalize that, you know, your teaching is inherently very, very valuable for some people, you're taking people to a valuable outcome and take my, and remember me as a stranger on the internet shouting and telling you to charge twice as much, (laughs) like maybe it'll all slowly come together and you'll be like, Hey, you know what? Maybe that stranger on the internet is right. Let's see what happens if I double the price. And then you'll find out that you probably sell more and not only are you selling more because your students paid more, they're actually taking the class more seriously. And guess what? They're being more successful. Yep. People value when they pay for something versus something yep. free. Yep. yep. Okay, cool. I think we've people are probably going to listen and be like, okay, we get it. We get it. So let's, let's switch gears and talk 
about community. Yep. So building community within a course is pretty important. And I want to start with the platform. What are the options for community engagement within yep. Fedora itself? So the first, off the top of my head, the top, I'll, this is an area we need to do better in. Okay. Um, we have comments under every single lecture. Yep. Um, and those comments are pretty engaging. Whenever we've tried a discussion board externally or like in a separate tab, yep. we found engagement to be really low. Um, so right now, our best recommendations to teachers are use the comments under the lecture. And based on what you want to do, either set up a Facebook group or a Slack community. They both have different pros and cons, and we've seen both approaches be successful. Um, Slack is more engaging. Slack will work better with a higher price product. Facebook would work better if it's a lower price product with more people. Um, okay. But we recommend hand, using tools that are specifically designed for community in conjunction with like the discussion under the lectures. Well, let's dig in there a little bit more because we're hearing, uh, at least I'm hearing, a lot about using Slack as a yep. community. In fact, yep. I think Buffer just published an article on it. Why do you think Slack is a great alternative to using Facebook for some type of community? Um, it's so, so engaging. Like just the idea of like real time feedback, the mindset is different. It's people are there like looking to like chat, have real time. I am communication versus like, versus something being messaging based, right? Like ultimately, like there, I guess there's ultimately a spectrum between, um, real time synchronous communication and complete asynchronous communication. Texting is somewhere in the middle. Slack is over here. Facebook groups are over there. Um, so I think that's what, that's what it ultimately comes down to. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Any plans for integrating either platform with Fedora? People, the great thing about having a large community is people on our Facebook group have found ways of integrating Slack with Fedora. Like, okay. I don't even know how. Um, not natively anytime soon. But again, because we're a software company, we're trying to make it possible for anyone to integrate anything with Fedora. Yep. We have webhooks. We have a lot of systems in place to let other people build that on top of us. And philosophically, we want to Always keep our core products simple and eliminate anything unnecessary, but allow people to build on top of it. You know, almost the way the iPhone starts out relatively simple with an app store letting people build on top of it. And that's kind of philosophically where we want to be as a software product. Okay. One follow-up question that, yep. that I just thought about. You said when you tried discussion, any type of discussion base externally, that mm -hmm. the engagement fell off. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that same level of disengagement when people go to Slack or Facebook? Yeah, I mean, like, like when people go to Slack, anyone that makes it to Slack will be very engaged. But the percentage of people that will comment right under the video versus join your Slack community, there's much, much more people commenting under the video. Like, there's always okay. going to be more people commenting right under the content they're consuming yeah. versus a different destination. That's all yeah. that is. On yeah. Slack, when you get them to Slack, they're very engaged. But until you get them. Okay. So that's the struggle. Yeah. Okay, so what are the pricing options for Fedora? Can you shed some light on that for yep. people who are interested? So, so we have a free plan that takes 10% of sales and a dollar on every transaction. We have two consumer plans at 29 bucks a month and 99 bucks a month. The $29 a month plan takes an 8% transaction. The 99 takes a 5% transaction. Um, we also have high volume plans that are generally in the mid hundreds of dollars to even more to low four figures that have no transaction fee but are priced you know they're generally meant more for the enterprise customers or the you know celebrity teachers that are generating tens if not hundreds of thousands a month okay and and what are some of the features you don't have to list all of them but what are some of the features that come with with those mainly the three the free the basic and the professional yep so the free plan is i think it's 
pretty compelling as it is, but what it does not have is a domain name. Like it's probably the big threshold that makes people go from free to basic. Yeah. Basic also comes with an affiliate program, um, you know, web hooks and some other stuff. And the main trigger moving people from basic to professional is one, we help everyone with onboarding on professional. Um, we also have all, a lot of the advanced reporting features are in professional um, and had the ability to have other authors in your school is also only unprofessional. Okay, got it. So where can people find out more about Fedora? Um, use fedora.com. Okay. Anything new going on with Fedora that you want to share with listeners or any last bit of advice? So I want to say, yeah. So in terms of new things, we added a blog natively, a blog feature natively to Fedora a few days ago, which has been very, very fun to see. Yeah. Um, outside of that, no, I just tell people like um, we occasionally hold a workshop called Seven Steps to Creating a Profitable Online Course. The next time you see an invitation to it, like do join because that's where we talk to people that, you know, about like what is a course, the outcome stuff, pricing. Like that's actually trained. Like that's different from the webinar you watch. What you watch was the product demo webinar, yeah. which I like, but sometimes, you know, it gets a little dry. Like you're just watching Ryan set the same thing up for like the 200th time. <laughs> um, but the seven steps one is is a lot of fun. Okay. Last question for you, Akhar. What's your why? Why do you do this work? I do this work, again, I, I got a little bit into it earlier, but I do think entrepreneurs are the most driven people in the world. And by empowering entrepreneurs, like we're going to build the future of education. I think the future of a lot of industries is going to come from entrepreneurs. Um, and this is just a culmination of those two things, right? Like teachers historically have not been like valued, at least I don't think they've been valued to the degree they should have been. Um, and the idea that we can now empower people to build their own business, it's a teaching business. I think it's the best. It's, I think it's the best of both worlds. Perfect. Yes. Cool. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks. It's been great fun. Hey, you're back. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Encore from Teachable.com. So, so many gems in that episode. I really enjoyed. I had tons of fun with Encore. So, if you want to check out Teachable, formerly known as Fedora, you can check them out at their website, Teachable.com. Don't forget to let them know that you found them from the Zen Courses show. Also, if you have any questions or any feedback about this episode or any other episodes, please drop me a line. I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at hello at zencourses.co.co. Don't forget to check out the show notes at zencourses.co forward slash podcast. And you'll see the notes for episode four right there. Again, that's zencourses.co forward slash podcast. Last but not least, if you have enjoyed this episode and any of the other episodes, I would love it if you would please consider leaving a rating and a review in iTunes so that I can continue to bring you great episodes just like this one. This is Janelle Allen from the Zen Courses Show. Thanks for listening. I will see you next time.